All right, so this week on our little revisiting TV podcast, we're going to do Gunsmoke. But real quick before we do Gunsmoke is uh, we did, apparently three months ago, according to YouTube, we did the Walton's 2021 CW remake that was really bad. And it's just funny because it gets a lot of comments on YouTube where virtually everyone agrees. 98% of people agree with us that it was terrible. A couple people liked it. But I thought this was a pretty interesting comment, interesting enough that I would bring it up from Kelly Diver on YouTube. I spent part of my summer on the Walton set when I was 11 years old. The kids were cast precisely because they looked and acted like normal kids. After wardrobe and makeup in the mornings, the kids were encouraged to run around like normal kids, get a little dirty, etc. And that's why their clothes, hair, etc. look so normal. Plus, it was an open set. Their families and siblings were actually there, so it was very much a family atmosphere. The cinematography and lighting were done by old-time filmmakers who were masters of their craft. It was a bit dark and moody, reflective of the depression. I think it would be very difficult to reproduce those things these days. The Walton's TV show is very much a product of that particular time in the industry. So I thought that was really interesting because that person was literally there. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that interesting? No wonder why she was there. She was 11. Yeah, I mean, she didn't get into those details, but yeah, because all that stuff was what we criticized and all these comments criticized about the new one is that everyone's clothes are perfect and immaculate, everything's clean, all the lighting is so crisp and pretty. Nothing about it feels like, you know, the depression era that they were in or that this family was struggling financially. The new one has none of that. And uh, yeah, so it's just that 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 makes sense. It does. It's a wonderful comment. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, just a lot more naturalistic back then of like, just let the kids run around. And if they get dirty, like, yeah, you can't even imagine that now. If the kids were running around on set and got their clothes dirty, they'd probably clean them up before they started filming. Or back then, they're like, that's what they're supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Take those shoes off, kids. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, it was no doubt a whole different vibe. But yeah, I thought that was a very interesting comment. Very interesting. However, this week, yeah, we're doing Gunsmoke, which we've been kind of, it's just been floating around ever since we started this project of watching old TV shows. Obviously, Gunsmoke comes up all the time because it uh, never ended. 20 years it was on TV. <laughs> and it was that phase. There was, there was a phase there in the, well, I don't know when it was even made, 50s, 60s, whenever, where there were a lot of, like, westerns. You had Bonanza, you had Gunsmoke. Paladin, you had, uh, which was kind of kind of westerny, but not quite. It's on the Mississippi, but yeah, there would seem to be a phase of, of western movies. Yeah, well, that's actually this is one of my notes from the end of my notes, but I'll just mention it here because it fits with that. Is that Gunsmoke was the second ever TV western, but just barely four days, not four weeks, not four months, four days before Gunsmoke started. There was a show called The Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp. Oh. Yes, Wyatt Earp. Yes, that's another one. Yes. So Gunsmoke was technically second, but whatever. Basically, right there from the start. And it lasted so long, 20 years. By the end, Gunsmoke was the last show standing. The previous couple westerns that were still on TV, The Rural Purge, all that stuff, had ended two and a half years earlier. And uh, there were over... (laughs) During Gunsmoke's 20-year tenure, 30 TV westerns came and went. And by the end, Gunsmoke was the sole survivor. So 30 other shows. Oh, little wonder it's got such a reputation. And and I, and I it keeps, every time I keep thinking of Westerns from that era, I keep thinking Gunsmoke. Little wonder. And it's one of those things that I feel like I know Gunsmoke, but only, you know, because it's so famous. Like, in reality, I've never actually seen Gunsmoke, which is what's so... Oh, you're missing Miss Kitty and Chester and... Right. Well, that's what I like about doing this podcast is that I get to actually... I mean, the Waltons is a perfect example. I thought I knew what the Waltons was, but I didn't really. You know, like, you just think you know these things because they're pop culture and they're famous. Like, But but to see the real thing is always very uh, instructive, illuminating or yeah. whatever. You probably don't know... Gunsmoke, I don't know when you would have seen it. Yeah, and really what I know mainly about Gunsmoke is uh, that it it's hard to, to determine the longest running TV shows because you really have to decide what your parameters are. Like if you really want the longest running shows, it's all news programs on CBS or whatever that have been running for literally 60 or 70 years. Or if you go into other countries, like I think we found out one time, it's some strange, I think it's German, this weird like puppet kids show is the longest running show ever with the most episodes but if you just go with like primetime shows Gunsmoke was the longest running until 
I think The Simpsons beat it. So that's mainly what I knew it for, is like that it was a big deal when The Simpsons surpassed Gunsmoke for a number of episodes. Like, oh, wow, that's a lot of episodes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I've never actually seen it, so this will be my first official watching of Gunsmoke. But as I was doing little research, so this is something that's come up a lot, especially in the older shows that we watched, is, of course, all of the first raft of sort of classic TV, they pretty much all started as radio shows. So Gunsmoke is an American radio and television Western drama series created by director Norman MacDonald and writer John Meston. It centers on Dodge City, Kansas in the 1870s during the settlement of the American West. <laughs> like you got to talk about it like that. Central character is lawman Marshal Matt Dillon, played by William Conrad on radio and James Arness on television. So the radio series started in 1952 and ran until 1961, nine seasons, with 480 episodes. And basically they wanted to create a radio western for adults in contrast to the prevailing juvenile fare such as The Lone Ranger and The Cisco Kid, which of course also became TV shows later. Dunning notes, the show drew critical acclaim for unprecedented realism. So yeah, I thought this was extra interesting about, because we always like these radio dramas show up whenever we're researching these shows, but we've never listened to one of the radio dramas because it's, it's a little weird to just sit around the radio like in old times, you know, um, and there just hasn't been a particular, hasn't been enough of a draw to make me want to do that. I'd rather just jump straight to TV until now. Because Gunsmoke is unique from other westerns in that it was unsponsored in the first few years of production. The program was funded by CBS in the first two years, and series producers said that if the show were sponsored, they'd have to clean it up. And the producers uh, wanted to find a sponsor that would allow them to keep the show the way it was. And reading about it, apparently it was quite a... When they say adult, they're kind of not kidding. Quite a dark show where Marshall Dillon will show up too late to stop a lynching. Or some lady will be sexually assaulted and then fall into a life of prostitution and he didn't save her. And, like, just creepy, weird shit would happen because they wanted That's in to... the radio show. In the radio show, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was going to say, ooh, ooh, don't remember that on TV. Yeah, and even in the radio, I mean, I assume they're probably going... Those examples are probably unusual. I, I assume they went straight for the, the heavy hitters of, like, these are the worst things that ever happened. But that that would happen was... Even just reading that, I was like, whoa. And it's it's neat to hear because everything back then was brought to you by Crisco, you know, that this show didn't do that because they wanted terrible things to be able to happen. And I was like, this is unusual enough. This sounds like a unique enough situation that I, I don't, I've never heard any mm -hmm. other radio show talk about. But I can see why they wouldn't want the ads because if you just lynch some guy and the marshal's barreling down to try to save him and all of a sudden... Brought to you by Crisco. Yeah. Or fry your chicken in Crisco. Well, and it's even just impressive because, I mean, I think I have a, a bit of a, a softer view of the money men. Like a lot of, it's easy to just say like, ah, oh, the people that write the checks and run the networks, they all suck. It's all, the creators are the greatest. But I, I do think, you know, the, the money men, it's easy to discount them, but they're not, you know, it's an important part of the process. It's not just like, oh, the, the bad production people. Until it is, until you get these, the money men who don't care about the product at all and are just pushing the money. And it's so nice to hear situations like this where you have to imagine that the producers at CBS, I'm impressed that they didn't go for the Crisco thing, mm -hmm. that they were like, we would prefer to keep the artistic integrity of this thing. Because then later, when I was reading on later, by the time Gunsmoke finally got canceled after 20 years on TV, it was a situation like that. It's just whoever was involved in the show originally doesn't work there anymore. And the new money men were like, fuck this show. It's old as fuck. Just cancel it. They just canceled it out of the blue without warning anyone and no final episode. So, uh, you know, that's the disappointing side. So it's really neat to hear about when, when the money men do care about the product. I'm surprised, too, to hear that Marshall Dillon on the radio show was William, was William Conrad. He later went on to be in the TV series Canon, which is another one we might want to check out. He's a detective in Canon, and he has a very, very distinctive voice, almost like an Orson Welles-type voice. But I'm presuming they wouldn't have wanted him in the television show because he's a very heavy-set man. Yeah. Um, whereas Marshall Dillon, he's got to be handsome. That exact thing came up, actually, is that, uh, yeah, they said they, they did technically audition the voice actors from the radio for the the positions in the show 
but they didn't try very hard. And it came up twice in the Wikipedia article about being overweight and just not not cutting the which I'm not surprised about. Why would you why would a radio person need to be a dashing leading man? <laughs> you know, it didn't surprise me. But yeah, there was a uh, quite a backlash originally from the radio fans because literally nobody from the radio show. Some of them got recast in different roles, but nobody got to play their proper role in the TV show. And, you know, obviously for TV, they they cut the really, you know, dark elements of the radio show. So initially people were like, ah, fuck this TV show. This is garbage. But then it went on to be super critically acclaimed and last for 20 years and be the greatest Western of all time. So, you know, I think it all worked out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny because you still hear that kind of nerdery now all the time i mean even just like right now yeah the thing with the video you, you gotta have the look right you whereas radio it's completely up to your imagination i'm sure people who listen to radio had this image of marshall Dillon, who was like pretty friggin swashbuckling handsome drop dead gorgeous well i even just uh it's just funny it's interesting to me to know that there were always nerds basically because i think of my generation as like if not the first nerds, very close. Like maybe the generation right before me with uh, Monty Python and stuff. But I never really, you know, because we're so nerdy. Like even right now, there's uh, this video game, The Last of Us. That's the thing I wrote a whole book about. If anyone wants to read that, it's at keithcourage.com. A TV show is coming out of The Last of Us. And yeah, and like, who are these actors they hired to play these characters? That's not what they're supposed to be like, you know? Like, you know, just nerdy to a fault. My whole generation, we can't stop it with this type of shit. So it's always interesting for me to hear that in the 50s, the exact same shit was going on. Like, that's not Marshall, that's not my Marshall (laughs) Dillon. Or uh, the one that always sticks with me is I always think of uh, way back with Sherlock Holmes, the books, whenever that was. That was practically the Victorian era. But nerds of the era, when Sherlock Holmes died in one of the stories, were wearing black armbands. And he'd see them walking around London and like, oh, did someone die? Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the greatest, the greatest detective of all time. Where then like in the 90s when Superman died, nerds were wearing black armbands for Superman. And it's like, man, it's just funny that like back in, uh, I don't know, in ancient Greece, was this shit going on too? Where there are always these like nerds that get way too invested in stories? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe Bible people are the original ones, right? Of just like, I don't know, just taking these stories way too seriously. And so I just always think that's interesting to hear about. So, uh, yeah, I've got a few other facts about the TV show. We can get into those after. But I just thought if we're ever going to watch or listen to a radio drama, this is the time. This like, be the one. So, and also, we're recording this in uh, December, mid-December. The weather's terrible. So I was just going through just uh Pretty much all these seem to be available. They're not hard to find. But I just found one that's uh, from December 20th, 1952. So the show had been on about a year called Christmas Story. So I was like, all right, let's listen to the Gunsmoke radio program called Christmas Story. I have no idea what it's about, but but why not? But this is the radio version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then also, again, because it's just audio and we're just going to be sitting here... Uh, you know, listening to it, like we're sitting around the radio in the 50s. I tried to find, like, ambient imagery from old westerns. I was like, maybe somebody did that on YouTube. Let's just, you know, the old uh, Wyoming, you know, like just some visuals. And I couldn't really find anything. But what I did find, there's this video game called Red Dead Redemption 2 that is one of the most realistic games that has ever been made. And it's a western game. And I did find somebody made just a compilation of scenery from this video game. So I turned it to black and white, and I'm just going to play that. So we'll just see some westerny shit, just for something to stare at while we're listening to this radio. I know, it's radio. difficult for you just to listen to radio. I listen to radio all the time, but still, but you don't. Uh, well, I mean, I listen to podcasts, but I'm always walking. <laughs> like, I don't sit still and listen to anything. Yeah, I've never, I never do that. I'm always walking somewhere, so... I don't know, I just thought, why not? It's sure. It's a very small amount of extra effort to just, just to give it some, some ambient imagery. But yeah, so I figured we'll listen to this, and uh, this one's half an hour, and then also the TV show. I found the very first episode of the TV show. Uh, it's also only half an hour. Is they, it? It only became an hour. Okay, because I remember them as being an hour. Yeah, that was actually six or seven years in before that happened. So, uh, so they're each only half an hour, so yeah, let's do both. So, all right, yeah, so uh, if anybody wants to find this, I actually got this this radio thing on archive.org. 
somebody went through and uh, cleaned up the audio and took away a lot of the old like fuzziness and the bad quality. So uh, anyone who wants to listen to this, it's again the December 20th, 1952 episode, Xmas Story. And yeah, they're all on archive.org for free. Nice and cleaned up. I mean, it's... Uh, it was nice. That was obviously a special show done for Christmas. They wouldn't be doing... Uh, this wouldn't be a standard show. And when they said at the end, uh, uh, our troops overseas, I'm thinking, our troops overseas? Like, man, this is the 1950s. But, of course, the Korean War was going on. Yeah, there's always and some the Americans war, right? <laughs> were, uh, the Americans were big time over in Korea. So, yeah, that's that's what that would have made, made reference to. So it was probably a special Christmas show with mostly them in mind. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of assumed when I picked the Christmas one, it was not going to be one of these, like, oh, the hard truths of the Old West. You know, it was going to be yeah. a little softer, but... Uh, it was nice. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And again, because we just haven't ever listened to one of these radio shows before. I and mean, it was a little tough at first because the idea is just uh, Marshall Dillon's horse. Uh, he has to put his horse down out in the middle of nowhere, but he gets picked up by another guy, like the uh, Old West version of hitchhiking. And while this guy is taking him on his old horse that's going real slow... Just uh, asks them about uh, town and uh, tell me about what Christmas is like in, in the cities because this guy is just lives lives out in the middle of nowhere, hasn't been back to a city in a long time. So it's a lot of uh, flashbacks and Marshall Dillon talking about Christmas has passed and things. So it was a little tough at first because those two guys in particular sounded so similar. Yeah, it's hard to tell who was talking. <laughs> but the other thing that is good about that show, let's say you had never heard of this show before. It was a good, it would be a good introduction because they introduced the major characters that live in the town that obviously are in every show. Right. <laughs> but they say who they are and what the relationship is with them, and they've got obviously a strong bond, and yeah, it was nice. And I liked just that it's so understated. It's kind of the opposite of, uh, you know, we're saying early TV a lot of times is very reminiscent of stage acting or whatever, a lot of uh, exuberance, kind of overacting, if you will, where this was uh, way the reverse. A lot of sort of mumbling and stumbling yeah. over your words and, and like I very was natural. I kind of expecting some weird, I don't know, religious or supernatural thing at the end, you know, where he'd find out that the, the traveler with the horse was some supernatural being who had... Large marge of, yeah. <laughs> survived the... Uh, Why didn't you know, Marshall? He died yeah. ten years ago to this you know, very yeah, night. That kind of thing. I was <laughs> I was expecting that, and it's, and it's mostly because this guy who picked him up just was uh, awkward, kind yeah. of a weird creep. But yeah. then you find out it's because his wife and family died in a seafaring accident in the ship that he was running. So he's just spent the last ten years it was just on a, his own. It was just a nice, normal, natural. So I guess ending. Still, no funny stuff going on. <laughs> no supernatural weirdness. No. I mean, I guess the Star Bethlehem kind of stuff. Nothing. It was. But just, as far as that uh, nice. thing they were saying about you know the uh, dark side, I mean, I guess there is still his tale of his whole family dying and that he's yeah. lived his whole life as a recluse the past decade. 
I mean, I guess as far as Christmas stories go, it's actually still quite dark. <laughs> but, but, you know. but at the end, and it didn't have a big, oh, they come into town and he has a happy ending and he gets accepted by the town and he gets a job. And we don't know any of that. Maybe that is what would happen to that man. But all we know is that he doesn't want to travel anymore. He doesn't want to roam anymore. He's willing to go into the town and meet people. Yeah, it's That's interesting. It. End of story. Like it was great. I loved it. Yeah, it could be. It could be that uh, again. Like they really did put forward in that article I read how, basically how good this radio series was, which is why I finally decided, hey, let's let's listen to one. So maybe the other radio serials and stuff weren't this good, but I get the feeling probably radio was better than early TV, <laughs> probably because it just seems like. Like, uh, I mean, I guess it's like reading a book, too. You know, it, it just paints a picture. It brings you into the scene in a way that TV just didn't have the budget or the technology and stuff to really do back then. And kind of still it's hard for it to pull that off. So, yeah, I have a feeling if we did dig into old like Jack Benny radio stuff or Amos and Andy or whatever, it's probably all better on the radio <laughs> than it was on TV. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, just as something to check out, cool. And then as a, a side point that's really not relevant, but I'm kind of glad I found this ambient imagery. It's If anyone wants to see it, it's a YouTube channel called Other Places. So this is just Other Places, Red Dead Redemption 2. Just having it playing, I was like, man, I forgot. Because basically, Grand Theft Auto is the most successful game of all time. So they made so much money from Grand Theft Auto, billions, that this is their pet project. They made this Western series that's not that popular, but they still put that kind of money into it. Arguably, it's the most realistic game as of 2022 that has ever been made. And you can tell, like, we're watching this, and while we're listening to the thing, we might as well be looking at the real Old West. It's yeah. so detailed. Beautiful, beautiful pictures. Yeah. And, yeah, detail, extreme detail. Right down to what I thought was a, was a, a liquor bottle in the street. I still don't know what it was. <laughs> but it's funny because, yeah, like I never actually finished this game. I played about half of it. And, uh, you know, gameplay wise, it's, you know, whatever. It's okay. But who even cares about the game? It's valuable that this game exists just for the... Just the, to look at the view, at the, at the video, the viewing, the pictures, the, yeah. the detail that, that is in these things. Like this picture we're looking at here right now. You see the building at the end of the track and it's up on trellises. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because these Grand Theft Auto games actually taught me quite a bit about the Old West, that uh, this one takes place around 1900, but the other one takes place in 1910. So it's right at the end when like there's almost no cowboys left and there's cars driving around. And it's just so neat because like I still, that's where I learned that the, the Old West that we think of is just this epic, endless era it was like 30 years yeah it was that's very right. short that's right it was the end of the civil war up until about 1890 all right so moving on from the uh, radio version the original version of Gunsmoke. so for television like i was saying they uh recast everybody and uh they mentioned a prominent thing that they brought up were weight issues <laughs> so but you know i mean again i don't know what you can do it's tv you know it's the money maker you gotta have uh, the looks yeah and that uh, that idea of it, everything being totally in your imagination, which was with radio, yeah, because obviously probably your idea of who Matt Dillon would look like, Marshall Dillon, would not be the same as mine. Even nowadays, like with podcasting, I mean, even people have said it about me, like when they see a picture of me and they're just like, yeah, you know, your voice is not what I thought you would look like. But I always feel that way with like, I've never listened to a podcast and seen the person and ever said like, oh yeah, that's what I thought. It just never matches to me. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that radio back in the day was the same thing. It's just, it's just a, a, a face made for radio, you know, it's a saying for a reason. <laughs> and like I was saying, uh, some of the radio fans back in the day considered the television version a bit of a sham. However, uh, they were wildly outvoted by the public at large because from 1955 to 1961 it was a half hour show which uh it could be the reason you didn't know it was originally a half hour is because when they reran those in syndication they renamed it to uh it's just called marshall dillon adventures of marshall dillon something about marshall dillon so it was originally Gunsmoke, but they wanted to differentiate it later so they almost treated it like it was its own show then from 1961 to 1975, it was the full hour, and the ratings were actually a little lower at this point. You know, it had been on forever, but still doing fine. <laughs> you know, still doing pretty decent. 
And even of those full hour ones, there were uh, a weird little transition period in the middle where it had switched to an hour, but it was still in black and white. And those episodes are like the lost episodes. They never get rerun anywhere because when they rerun the hour-long ones, they just rerun the color ones. So there's this little period in the middle of a couple, two, three years that uh, are the most obscure ones because they, after the first airing, they just never played them again. But uh, a lot of this stuff is still out there. I was very pleased with how easy it was to track down Gunsmoke. Not a big problem. Maybe not every episode, but a lot of them. Which, speaking of, 635 episodes. And yeah, like I was saying before, uh, you know, it was very nearly the first Western, and by the end, it was the last one standing. The whole era of TV Westerns, Gunsmoke, was there for the whole freaking thing. And uh, one thing in particular that I thought was interesting... So James Arnes and Milburn Stone portrayed their Gunsmoke characters for 20 consecutive years, a feat that was not matched until Kelsey Grammer played the character Fraser Crane for 20 straight years. However, that was over two shows. That was between Cheers Cheers and Fraser. Fraser. Still impressive, though, to play the same character for 20 years. But then, this is super weird, this feat would be surpassed by Mariska Hargitay... Oh, from, uh, what is that? Uh, Who has portrayed the character... CSI something. Who has portrayed the character Olivia Benson on Law and Order Special Special Victims Unit for over 23 consecutive years to date. She's still going. It ain't done. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess you know more about it than me because that's one of those things that I'm aware of Law and Order and CSI and all of these shows, but... To me, they're just uh, a thing I know is there. I just, I've I've seen them enough. I've never watched a whole lot of them, but I did recognize her name. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough to know. I could make a parody of it. You know, I know the beats, but I don't know any of the specifics. And yeah, it's just one of these things you just kind of think of as filler TV, right? Mm. It's just a thing on. I didn't realize that show had been on for 23 years. Yeah, that's what's sneaky, right? Is like you get this prestige TV or I was showing your Boardwalk Empire earlier and all this stuff, fancy pants, oh, Breaking Bad, whatever. But the reality of what's actually popular on TV is Law and Order. (laughs) It never stops. It never will end. It's just going on forever. It's trounced gun smoke. It took Kelsey Grammer and kicked him to the curb. It's like, nope, we're we're the top dogs. But Quality-wise, I mean, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I would love it, but I feel like that's... It's like the potato chip of TV shows, right? (laughs) And I don't know. In particular, the reason I never really liked those shows is because they are like, uh, to me, especially when you get into that stuff, like Special Victims Unit and stuff, it's like tragedy porn, you know? It's like, let's just watch this to watch a bad thing happen to someone. And, oh, no, we had to take DNA evidence because of the horrible thing that happened. And it's like, it, it like creeps me out in a way that people watch this as like an entertaining, fun show. Yeah, and what I remember about a lot of those shows, which is very realistic, there usually is not a a solid resolution at the end, which there isn't in life. I mean, sometimes they don't get the guy. Or if they do get the guy, he gets off. Um, And there's a whole lot of that stuff, which is very realistic. I mean, that's how it is in life. Everything doesn't get wrapped up in a nice little package at the end of the day. You get the bad guy and he goes to jail or he's rejuvenated or he's whatever um so they uh, yeah they oftentimes end on a note of um despondency they haven't gotten they they maybe got their man but maybe he wasn't the guy and or maybe he's going to get off with the court or you, you know and then and they they just got to carry on with these another story that's probably going to have the same kind of thing a horrible thing happening to somebody but no happy resolution like we're in the good old days, like Gunsmoke, I'm sure when we watch it, we'll have a nice ending and everybody will be, everything will be resolved. End of show. That's one thing, like, you know, maybe I'm showing my own biases here or whatever, but, like, I always find it weird with stuff like that because, like, say horror movies. I got nothing against a horror movie. You go watch a horror movie and you watch a bunch of people get chopped up and that's what it is and it's creepy and horrifying. But... You know, at least that's like, hey, you got to be 18 to watch this. And this is for grownups. And this is a creepy thing. And everyone knows why they're there. They're there to watch the horrible horror movie. Where shows like CSI and Law and Order, I find them so eerie because they're just mainstream entertainment. And oh, like, yeah. no and they're one... on at a time of day that there is no restrictions. I mean, I think it's something like 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night. You know, a time, a time frame. 
when you would have uh, a school age kids would be having their supper and even if not kids even adults watching it i feel like they're just not admitting to themselves what ghoulish entertainment they're watching (laughs) and they watch it every day for 23 years and honestly it's honest i feel the same way about the news i think people watch the news not to be informed but so they can see the especially in the states i mean it's not great in canada but man when i lived in the states i lived in new york and You'd watch the news and it's like, oh man, we had to pull over this guy in the New Jersey Turnpike and the cops pulled their guns on him and here's the fucking helicopter footage of it. Fucking crazy, right? Somebody almost got shot. And if he did get shot, you can bet we would have shown that too. And it's really like, it's so clear to me that this is, this is tragedy porn. It's violence entertainment. But everyone is like, no, no, I'm an upstanding citizen. I'm just watching the news. Hey, CSI, it's a top 10 show. There's nothing wrong with this. It's like you would be better off and healthier even if you still watch this stuff if you just admitted that you're watching it because it's horrifying and awful (laughs) that's what i find double creepy about it it's not just the content it's that people are so uh in denial they just pretend that hey uh, i'll watch big bang theory i'll watch law and order what's the difference well the difference is this one's about raped bodies (laughs) you know and this one's a dumb comedy anyway that's uh that's my critique of north american culture in general but i I've always hated that. It's like, go ahead and watch the creepy, horrible stuff, but admit it, man. Admit that's what you're here for. Don't pretend this is normal, you fucking ghouls. <laughs> so anyway, uh, gun smoke. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back uh, 50 years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just because there was a bunch of gun smokes available, I just picked the first one. Season 1, Episode 1, Matt Gets It, it's called. So, uh so, uh, yeah, anything else, or should we just turn this on? Turn it on. Let's, uh, let's go back in time. Good evening. My name's Wayne. Some of you may have seen me before. I hope so. I've been kicking around Hollywood a long time. I've made a lot of pictures out here. All kinds. And some of them have been westerns. And that's what I'm here to tell you about tonight. A western. A new television show called Gunsmoke. No, I'm not in. I wish I were, though, because I think it's the best thing of its kind that's come along. I hope you'll agree with me. It's honest, it's adult, it's realistic. Well, there you have it. Certainly wasn't a big, long ending, just the shooting. That's it. I feel like, uh, I mean, again, it never hurts to start at the start when it's available, but I feel like that's probably not even close to the best episode of Gunsmoke, you know, because, like, it was just weird. That whole plot was based entirely around, like, I don't know what you'd call it, like, the courtly manners of the Old West. Like, it's entirely based on the fact that as long as another man draws before you, you're basically allowed to kill somebody. So the whole thing was about this just weird dance of, like, you really want to arrest me? Uh, he he drew first. I was in my rights to shoot him. This 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 guy wanders around town, fucking shooting everybody. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> when you think of most of the westerns that that you've seen over the years, that is the the law of the west. Yeah, it's it's weird though. It's just like it reminds me of when you see movies about like the Civil War and stuff, and not not the Civil War, the one before that. The uh, like what was that that Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot? Where, oh, the Re- American Revolution. And yeah, it's like the two sides are like literally lined up in front of each other and like, take a step forward, everyone fire. Like everyone's just following these yeah. weird rules. I know, but that's how they did do it. <laughs> did they though? I don't yes. know. Yes, yes. Because actually in the American Revolution, or where they were fighting against the British, they oftentimes say the, the Americans won that because they used Indian tactics. Right which was hiding behind trees and that kind of stuff, whereas the British were doing the old duh, 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 Battle of Waterloo, French and Britain. Same thing, you know, you, when you watch that battle scene, it's, yep, they're all out there in the open and they're coming forward and the guys in the front are obviously going to get shot down. They're the foot soldiers, they're not, they're just fodder. Um, yeah, that that's that's how. Yeah, okay. Went a bit again. Sure. I mean, yeah, maybe it was that that's way. How, with that's that. how they fought. But I was referring to the old west. And in the I west, mean, they probably took some of those those rules, like you aim first, you got a gun, you shoot first, I can shoot you. Same thing, like out in the street when they would have the um, the showdowns or the shootouts. Uh, 
I meet you on the street and we walk 10 paces and uh, then we turn and we shoot. Uh, If you wanted to cheat, you turn at eight paces. But I feel like that's one of those things I would, I I would, I haven't researched it, but I would want to because like, again, this is early. It's one of the very first Western TV shows, but this just does not, it, none of it feels real to me. This feels like the Hollywood version of the Old West. Like there's just no way it was this stiff and this courtly and like we can't like like this this guy who uh, shot a fucking sheriff, you know, like shot all these people, but he's just hanging around in town for days, and it's like uh, we can't do anything because I mean, you know, technically he's fast. he's fast, and technically these other people drew first, and just it's just like layer upon layer of weird rules when it's like just go fucking dogpile that guy. Just go take him out. <laughs> I just but see, don't... the problem was when people did try to take him out, he shot them. Mm. I mean, I, maybe. Again, I mean, I wasn't in the Old West. But to <laughs> me, that felt super-duper well, staged and very little, phony. It was a little bit... Um, I think it was okay because uh, that character was not just some crazy guy with a gun. He was, uh, he was a personality that if you delved into it a little more, like, why was he like that? He was very struck on himself, knew he could shoot faster than everybody else, knew he had a vision problem, though. So then he enticed people. He he egged people on and forced them to come practically right on top of him before he shot. And I guess, though, right at the the start, right out of the gate, it's... uh... You know, he he realizes he killed an unarmed man, which he didn't realize, but it was still over a game of cards. And the insinuation is, hey, if that guy hadn't been unarmed, that would have been fine. If someone cheats at cards, you're allowed to shoot him. Yep. And I just, I, again, I'd have to do the research, but just watching it, I feel like this is phony baloney Hollywood stuff. Know, you check out the gunslingers of the Old West. I just um, can't imagine that society could function under those rules. Like, I just don't think the Old West was nearly as wild as that. It just... I don't know. I think it, I think, I think it was, because there was no law and order. The, the, the gunslingers came first, and the law and order came later. Uh, it's not like the like these towns were all set up when they were established with uh, the sheriff and well, I guess that, where, that happened after the towns got established. Where I additionally question it though is like that thing we were saying earlier, the the fact that the old west barely was a thing. It lasted for about thirty years and it was gone. And, you know, it just quickly everything developed. So I mean, the old west has been a myth for a thousand percent more than it ever really existed. Like, it's just, it's more a myth than it is a reality. And this, to me, feels like this thing writers do where they just base their writing on the previous guy's writing, not on actual research, not on first-hand accounts, just this is how people always describe the Old West. This is just how it is in every John Ford movie or before that, the John Wayne, you know, introduced the show. I I agree. I don't disagree with that. I just have a feeling, and again, I could be wrong because, again, I haven't done the research, but I just feel like if I did do the research, I bet the number of high noon showdowns and people that are just allowed to shoot each other over card games is probably really small because it's just too crazy. And the, the, just the reality of human civilization is that it's not. We are, we are pacified, even in the rough-and-tumble Old West I mean, like, the reason that this guy, for instance, who shot all the guys is still around in town all this time is because he has nowhere else to go. There's only so many towns. There's only so many places. You can't really escape. He's got to eventually reckon with what has happened to him. So in these small-knit societies where you do know everybody and there's only so many towns and, like, there's... You just can't... A society like that can't function if you're just willy-nilly shooting people and getting away with it. I just don't believe that that's true. Well, here we are, um, what, 100 years later, more 150 years later, and look at all the shootings that are going on still. People, but they that right of the gun. Sure, but nobody gets away with it. I mean, like, it's easy to, again, like I was saying earlier, with people who just fetishize the news, it's easy to imagine that the bad side of society is how society is, but it's not. The vast majority of, of the world is, is calm and reasonable, and when you do a bad well, thing, you get caught. Do a little research into the, the law of the West and the law of the gun, and uh, I think you'll find that, uh, that there was quite a bit of uh, 
Yeah, I don't like the look on your face, bang. <laughs> well, let's do it right now. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's see what YouTube's got for us. Because uh, literally, yeah, that entire episode was, was based on that premise. And if you don't buy into that, you know, then you don't buy into it. And I, I don't really buy into it. All right, well, here, let's see. I wrote, how violent was the Wild West? The Wild West was as wild as you think, and justice was often even worse. So, all right, well, let's see. The history of the Wild West is full of myths and stereotypes, but the truth about justice in the West is often more complicated and more unsettling. There was more violence plaguing the American West than the body count in a Clint Eastwood movie, and people pouring into the frontier searching for new lives and communities had to handle the law on their own. But because of the area's limited resources and extreme isolation, due process was frequently a far cry from the grim yet noble law and order portrayed in Western movies. So far, this isn't looking good for my side. This <laughs> the American West stirs up grand images from movies, but the reality was less heroic. Homicide rates in the West were high, rivaled only by the violence of the American South during the Civil War and Reconstruction. An adult living in Dodge City, Kansas from 1876 to 1885 stood a 1 in 61 chance of getting whacked. In addition to the frontier conditions, the Civil War worsened the violence of the Wild West. After the war, many men were left with nothing except the gun handling skills they had practiced in the military. These former soldiers headed west to seek opportunity, leading to an era in which arguments were solved largely with bullets. Working with weak political organization and limited resources, many Western cities were unprepared to handle high crime rates. Los Angeles County, with a population of approximately 6,000, made up of mostly young single men, had a higher homicide rate than New York City. The county also had a high rate of assault and other violent offenses. In the face of the sheer number of crimes, the legal system had difficulty keeping up, and many simply went unpunished. One potential settler said, this place will not do for me. There is no security here. I dare not venture out after the dark of night has set in. So uh, I guess, yeah, that's, I guess we don't need to watch this whole thing because uh, I mean, I guess I can't argue with that, right? I mean, I guess, I guess it was. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I still find that episode a weird watch. And I knew about that when they made that comment about Civil War, the ending of the Civil War. There were all kinds of misfits that had been in the war. And where would they go? There, they went out west because there was no law there, and they could pretty well do what they wanted. And if, yeah, somebody got in your way, somebody was stealing your land, whatever, you shot them. And as they said in that little video we watched, a lot of them used the skills that they had been taught in in the Civil War. Um, that's all they knew. They were young men who went off farms and went into the Civil War. Were taught how to kill. Now the war's over. Where do they go? A West. Right. With the gun. And I guess it does tie into that idea of freedom. I'm an American. I want to be free or whatever. But I still, I guess I just find it strange. Like, I guess it makes sense that, uh, especially if you're like a lawman and you're very overwhelmed and you just don't have at all the capacities to, uh, to take care of these situations that, you know, you'd want to be careful, you know. But, it just... but even when you think of the names that you hear about the, like the Wild West, uh, the People who were murderers out there, there wasn't considering that it was wide open space out there. There was quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah. I guess then again, it's just it seems it just seems so weird in that like that episode. This guy shoots a shoots a sheriff, shoots a marshal, not fatally at least that time. Everybody's pretty upset with him, and he's just I don't know. It's like maybe it's like a domino effect. Maybe then if you kill that guy, it destabilizes the uh, fabric of society even worse. But I just, I don't know. It's like, I feel like just, that guy's like a wild dog. Like, just go lynch him up. Get a posse going. And everyone just kind of let he, him. There was nobody in the town who was willing to do that. The only one who was uh, upset and said he was going to kill the guy was Chester, right. the, the, uh, the assistant. And there was nobody else. Everybody else was kind of like, eh. and as they said in the little video we watched there about the Wild West, people felt afraid. So you went out in the daytime, but you don't go out at night. And I suppose there was a, a probably a, a social sense, a moral sense, where if you dared go into those saloons, well, serves you right. You shouldn't be going in there anyway with those women and liquor. And there, there would have been all that stuff, too. Only people who would be out kind of 
looking for trouble would be going into those places. And still also that sense too, like even with this guy in the episode, that uh, there is still that, yeah, just a way overblown sense of manifest destiny and like the freedom of like, hey, well, this guy's just a man trying to be free. And yeah, he shot that guy, but he didn't know that guy was unarmed. And yeah, he shot that guy, but that guy drew before him. And, it's and like, so he shot a lawman. Big deal. Right. See? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I do feel like I definitely need to watch some other episodes of Gunsmoke because just as an episode I just found the whole thing bizarre but I guess maybe this is explaining why because there's a lot of the groundwork of the Wild West that just and remember too weird to me it's the first show and sometimes when you watch a first show you kind of I think you have to give it a little bit of of uh, leeway because it's trying to get established right they're trying to introduce characters and and a situation too so we'll yeah, I think I, I don't think everybody should just judge a first a whole series based on a first show. Yeah, and obviously, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other Gunsmoke <laughs> than just that one episode. But of those two, specifically of those two that we watched, I definitely preferred the radio version because the radio version felt very natural and very real. Where to me, even if uh, these circumstances of the Wild West apparently are true, they don't feel natural (laughs) it just feels bizarre it's like i'm in this bizarre crazy world where you're just allowed to shoot people very weird feeling where the radio one just felt like life it just felt (laughs) you know more normal more and i mean i guess it was it was like the slice of life version of let's just talk about christmas because i suspect that the radio versions are not like what we listen to i think that was a special thing that was done for christmas right um, I'm sure that uh, most of those radio shows are probably shoot them up, shoot them down, get the bad guy. So I guess, yeah, between the Christmas episode of the radio version and that we watched the very, very first version of the TV show, it's probably not a great example of either. We probably just got some weird episodes, but at least it's a start. At least now I have some sense of uh, Gunsmoke a little more, a little more grounding to go back to it sometime. You'd think, why does anybody have to even meet up with anybody? They've got <laughs> right. such wide open spaces, but yet they did. And But on the other hand, that's probably also facilitates violence because, uh, like, they always said that even when I was in New York, like, you're not going to get robbed at time, in Times Square, even at 3 in the morning, because there's people around. You might get robbed in some obscure neighborhood in Queens or Brooklyn because there's no one around. When there's no one around, that's when bad things happen. When there's people yeah. around, you're safe. And you had, on on, uh, on charter territory, you had deserts. People traveling across there in their uh, wagons and whatever. No idea where the next water hole was. So yeah, you probably would kill. You'd kill for water. You'd kill for food. You'd I guess the, uh, another reason why I was sort of inclined to think it wasn't so brutal is because we do all have a bias toward focusing on the negative. You know, it's just a survival thing that's built into humans. So you're going to hear about every Billy the Kid and you're going to hear about every Donner Party. You're going to hear about these the bad things that happened because those are the famous things. But I've also heard other stuff about how whitewashed the Hollywood version of the Old West was in the sense that, like, black cowboys. There was a bunch of them. You never see them in a movie, ever. They just pretend that didn't happen. And uh, and because it was overwhelmingly men, there was apparently a thing at, like, square dance and, like, you know, barn parties where they'd just get drunk and, and dance around. But there was a severe lack of women. So there was a... It was, like, some kind of, like, way you would just tie a handkerchief around one of your arms that would just signify that when you're doing the square dance, you're willing to dance the girl the part. part. Yeah, just stuff like that that they never bring up in the rugged Hollywood version of. So I guess because of stories like that, that kind of planted this seed in my brain that the violence is exaggerated and is not, you know, it's, you know, that the old West was a little calmer than that. But maybe both things are true. Maybe it was crazy, but also you're square dancing okay, with well, dudes. You know where we should go next then? to Bonanza. See, Bonanza would be a settled west. Like, they've got the ranch, they're, they're established, they live not too far from town. Um, so it would be in that same time frame that we're talking about, that 30 years of the Wild West. But they are in a more settled part of the Old West, probably, I don't know when that would have been set, 1880 maybe? And Bonanza runs a good long time too. Uh, but it's not quite 
as vicious as this, violent. I mean, even at the beginning of Gunsmoke, when he was standing in the graveyard and talking about if he could argue it as opposed to using the gun, and you see the town off in the distance, it's just a little little rinky-dink town. Here's yeah. this here's this great big space of of uh, desert land, I guess, between the graveyard and the town, and and there, it's just a small little place that's kind of off there in the distance. It's not even like the town has moved out to the graveyard. It's there's a distance there. And, yeah, you get the impression this is very, very early when Dodge is created. It's got the saloon. It's got a few little places. It's got the sheriff's place or the, the marshal's little office. Got the doctor, but you don't get the impression that it's they're very civilized or has been there for a very long time. Because if it was, the graveyard would not be so distant from the town. And I guess, too, uh, it... Um could help explain also why the Old West was such a short period of history, not just because the march of technology, but if it really is that, you know, if you're trying to establish farms and uh, ranches and civilization, you just can't be having people having shootouts in the streets. You just can't. Like, civilization has to come stomp that out, and it did. It didn't last that long, you know? It's like, you can't live like this. This is fucking insane. So, I mean, that probably is a big reason why it didn't last that long, because it's clearly uh, fucking bananas. <laughs> so, but yeah, alright. So we'll do Bonanza next week, and keep on rolling with the, uh, again, it's always a little weird to get historical knowledge through the lens of, uh, entertainment but it's better than nothing and like i said i mean my only other uh, real thing were those red dead games where again i just assumed it's a video game we got to throw in a lot of shooting that's probably not realistic but maybe it wasn't that far off i don't know maybe well everybody well not everybody i suppose there were people women they didn't have guns but most men yeah they they had guns <laughs> and i mean it's funny too because it's very easy to be reductive about guns but because we're not american we're canadian it's, you know, it seems the American view of gun ownership seems very out of whack to us, but I guess it came from somewhere, right? It came from the revol- from the, um, the American Revolution, 1776. They put it right in their constitution. We have the right to bear arms. And even today, all these years later, you'll hear that oftentimes when they'll talk about, about restricting guns, uh, selling guns, whatever, and it'll always come up our right to bear arms. Yeah, which I think is it's funny. It's in the Constitution. We have the right. The thing that I think is really funny about that is that's not the full sentence. The full sentence is you have the right to bear arms for the sake of forming a militia. Again, because it's like, yeah, if the King England comes and tries to hassle you, you can get your guns. It, but they just they just dropped the second half yep. of the sentence. We're just allowed to have guns for yep. no reason. And it's like, that right, is the a right bad idea. The right to bear arms, period. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's like uh, what's that term, herd immunity? It's like, it's easier for us to not have guns because so few people have guns. It's like self-perpetuating. And you can understand why in the Wild West, when they went West, well, of course they had guns. They had to feed themselves when they were on the trail. So you had to shoot your game and cook it. You, you couldn't just be out there in the wilderness with an axe or or a crossbow or anything like that. A gun was so much more efficient. And sure, everybody would have had anybody that was in charge of the, the, the trek across would have had a gun and because somebody had to provide for the food. They had no refrigeration. It's not like you could load up all your gear in the east and just take it all with you. You had to get that food on the way. You had to send hunters out to hunt every day to get food for the people in the, in the wagon train. So yeah, they, they, they all had guns, and I'm yeah. sure they all knew how to use them. Yeah, it would be bizarre not to. But yeah, it is funny how nowadays it's like, it is such a strange experience to go to the States and you just go to a pawn shop or a fucking Walmart and there's guns everywhere. Really wall-to-wall guns, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it really is unnerving. I've been there. And just the, uh, the sort of mental contortions they go through about, you know, their... I mean, the easiest go-to is the school shooting rate, which is just insane. It's like one a month. It's yeah. so much no one cares anymore. But they're like, but uh, what can be done? What could be the yeah. reason? And it's not just a, a semi-shot rifle or anything like that. Now it's these 
semi-automatic things that can shoot off like brrrr. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many bullets, but a whole whack of bullets like in less than 30 seconds. Yeah, it really just makes me, no offense Americans, although I'm sure you'll be offended, but it just makes me glad I'm not from there. Because if you did grow up there and you, it's just, you know, built into your personality that you're American, you just feel inclined to defend your batshit crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're not from there, you don't have to. And you'll hear people say to, um, like some woman will say, like, like the question, why do you have a gun? Well, to defend myself. Uh, how can I defend myself? Like, let's say if somebody broke into your house, well, whatever happened to using a baseball bat? Yeah, and it really is self-perpetuating, <laughs> like I was saying about the herd immunity thing. Like, it's well documented that people who own guns are more likely to be the victims of gun violence, if not from their own guns, just because you're in a society where it's just natural to have guns. And it's like, it's a little bit of a hard idea to express to people that have just grown up with it. Because, yeah, on the surface, it's like, well, if everyone else has a gun, shouldn't I have a gun? But that's why everyone has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just, and, and yeah, there's all that, the statistics, too, of, like, gun violence in the home is often, violence in general is usually someone you know, and then, you know, you're more likely to be shot by the gun in your own house than some random stranger's gun. And, uh, and even still, yeah, it's just such a strange idea, like, you know, you get, like, the Texas sort of mentality of, like, I'm allowed to shoot somebody who's on my property. But that's like, it's like the Old West today. It's yeah. still like, I mean, it's weird. In Canada, I guess if someone broke into our house, I guess we're kind of at their mercy. But we just don't live in a society where there's guns everywhere. Like, yeah. that's just not, you're not part of our... You're not expecting someone, if they're going to break into your house, you're not expecting them to have a gun. Now, they might have one, but you're not expecting it. Did you ever see that, uh, man, that guy, Michael Moore, he's a documentarian, yeah. and he he fudges a lot of shit. He basically, he has a, an agenda and he twists every argument to his agenda. But I do remember uh, in, I think it was Bowling for Columbine, it was just a, a neat little thing he did because it rings so true as a Canadian where he was in Detroit, which is like fucking Robocop land. It only gets worse and worse. It's like legitimately crazy in Detroit. All you got to do is go across a bridge into Windsor. And just as an experiment, he just went and tried to open people's front doors and they're just unlocked and he would just go in and say hey i'm a film documentarian and these canadians are like oh hey there you know like no one even thought it was weird where you just go across the bridge and that would never fucking happen all the doors are locked everyone has a gun everything's crazy and these places are like right next to each other <laughs> it's just like it it literally is just in the cultural dna now, now this is a little side thing but i think i've told you this before when Neil and I went to visit his old aunts in Detroit years ago. Now, we, I would have been, we both would have been about 23, 24. The old aunts uh, lived in downtown Detroit in, let's say, the fifth or sixth floor of an apartment. Neil went out one day just to go down to the mailbox to check the box. He didn't, he didn't put the lock on the door because he was just going to be gone for a few minutes and he didn't want to disturb them when he came back. He just wanted to come back into the building, into the apartment. One of them walked by that door and, my God, she freaked right out. I mean, she really freaked out. She screamed and, oh, my God, oh, the door's unlocked, da 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 And I said, well, Neil just left. He's just gone down to check your post and he's coming right back here. Oh! not supposed to leave the door oh my god she almost had a heart attack it was just ridiculous yeah, anyway i didn't, I didn't mean obviously part. and that was like in the mid-70s so we're right. talking a friggin' long time ago but that's that was the attitude of especially white people in well they were in downtown detroit they lived there since the 1930s probably but now in the 1970s downtown detroit had become quite different there were a lot of uh, inner-city black people living there. A lot of the buildings were very um, run-down. And it had changed, I'm sure, from the time when they moved there in the 1930s as professional young white women moving into these. It was kind of a very, once would have been a very classy apartment, but it was right. getting a little run-down by the time we were there. But still, how she freaked right out. And it wasn't even like it was open onto the street. It was open into the hallway of this fifth or sixth floor that we were on. Yeah, Ugh. it's one of those things that, I mean, maybe uh, I'll eat my words if I'm ever the uh, 
you know, if I ever am the victim of some horrible violence here in Canada, because obviously there's still violence. There's lots of stories if you want to dig them up. But just to not have that in the in the air, not to be part of the culture, not to be worried about it all the time. Like, if I had to have a gun and I had to be worried that everyone else had a gun, like, I'd just rather die. Fuck it. Like, go ahead and shoot me. I'm just, I would rather not worry about it and get killed than spend my whole life fucking wringing my hands about this shit you know (laughs) it's just i mean i always i got in a lot of arguments when i lived in the states because i didn't like it there and i (laughs) criticized it often but i would always try to try to get this idea across to americans that it's like the only reason you buy into all this stuff is because you you've always lived here and you've always been a part of this like if you could just like say life was a board game and you could pick what country you would want to live in would you really pick America with all of its like no fucking health care and guns and violence? And every single one of them was like, hell yes, I would. Cause America is the greatest country in the world. And it's like, fuck off. <laughs> like, no, you wouldn't, but you just don't understand that. Cause you never left and you don't understand how crazy you fucking are. So anyway, that'll offend everybody. But, uh, what can you do, man? The old West ain't so old. I guess it's still, yeah. <laughs> it's still there. The wild West is still around. It's still with us at various point places in the world.